0: mimipiercedesigns.com the podcast and now here's mimi pierce
1: hello friends mimi pierce of mimi pierce designs the podcast thanks so much for joining me today i just can't thank you enough I'm so grateful to all of you that have reached out, especially after last week—a uh, tough podcast. But you know, sometimes it's very therapeutic. It was for me uh, to talk about the passing of my father-in-law, and so thank you. So many of you have reached out to us um, during the past several days, and it, it means a lot. Um, I'm going to turn my attention today to a very special guest, and you know, uh, unfortunately, but there's there's a lot of positive in this guest as well. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about cancer and how it has impacted her life. But in a bigger sense, um, I am just so grateful to have Amanda Clark on with me today. She is the fam- founder of Cocktails and Chemo.
0: Hi, Amanda. Hi, thanks for having me. I was. I feel very honored, very, oh, very excited. I, I even put s- lip gloss on, you know, because I know, I know, yeah, I yeah, know like, it's the podcast. You got always- ready. We always joke
1: about that. And I'm like, eh, it's up to you if you want me to see you in lipstick because I'm the only one. But um, Amanda, her story goes back as far as her dad, Tony, and my husband, yep. Jim, were in bands together. Yeah. Um, they played many of those uh, Catholic <laughs> events. Festivals, yes. <laughs> those, big, those big events. So, so, but my, um, The first time I met Amanda was actually at your high school graduation party. I had never met you before. And um, Jim and I were invited to your graduation, Ron Colley, right? Ron Colley High School. School, And I'm telling you, that was a great high school graduation party. But I remember, here's what I remember. You sang at your graduation party with your dad. You know, him Mm -hmm. and the band were, were there. And your voice—it just blew me away. I just always remember, and it was just a couple. It was just a couple of weeks ago. I I remember seeing on Facebook where you sang at a funeral, Mm -hmm. and um. First of all, you know, I was in tears because of the song and the funeral, but then I was just like, Oh, I get to hear her voice. It was, I I just listened to the whole thing because you do, you just have uh, an amazing voice, and I love hearing you you sing. Um, we also have a little something in common that we kind of started to go down the same career paths, um, yeah, in in television. So, uh, tell our listeners first, um, what guided you to journalism and then the path that you took that led you eventually um to orlando
0: florida yeah it's it's kind of crazy how life comes at you um you know i, I started singing with my dad's band when i was little and i was in fourth grade when i did my very first performance at a at a festival. And we sang Alanis Morissette, Isn't It Ironic? And um, it was the very first time I'd ever performed in front of a group. And I mean, I was so little. I think back, like, I remember my dad, some of the words in it were, like, a little maybe not kid-appropriate, like, (laughs) like, I think it'll be okay. But um, So I did that, and then I just, I was always just drawn to, like, performing. Um, I kind of got the bug from him and did musicals, and um, I actually went to college for musical theater. And I started in, in school, and I did, like, that first Semester that was very hard. And um, I saw right away that I had, I did not have the same drive that these theater kids did. Like I was not ready to pack up my stuff in a backpack and move to New York City and sleep on couches. So I made it. I was like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know what I want to do. So I switched to communication. I was like, you know, that'll be a lucrative career. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to sleep on couches in theater. I'll go into journalism. But um, I got an internship and I, wildly enough my senior year of college the girl that i interned under quit one day out of nowhere and i got a call from this news director that was like hey could you come and just like help us know the area cuz i know you've been interning under her and it just kind of i kept working to like yeah. prove myself and i got my first job as a news reporter in Decatur Illinois and so that was my first my first market there um which you know tv markets are kind of crazy like that it's it was yeah. a market eighty three and um Just kind of wiggling your way up. I was thrilled. I remember calling my grandma like, yeah, I got a job. I'm gonna be on TV, grandma. I'm gonna be on TV. And she's like, What's the salary? I'm like 19000 dollars a year. Like, I've made it. I'm gonna do it. And she's like, Well, what? What is this job you've chosen? I'm like, but you know, I was just so passionate about it and I loved I loved that I was able to kind of like use my extrovert uh skills in that set in a sway to then like tell stories and connect with people that I was able to kind of transition um what I'd you know been doing my whole life into something that was really a passion for me, which was just meeting people and telling stories. so yeah, so yeah, so then I um I ended up meeting a guy like it all goes, you know, and Did you meet him uh, in Illinois. With, yeah, with, so okay. I, so, okay. I went to college with Joe and like all good love stories, you know, I dated his roommate and um, then <laughs> we, he was moving to Orlando, Florida to start a business. And so I started kind of shooting out my TV resumes and like, let's see, you know, as that's when you like sent like a VHS tape, I'm sending them out to see. And I got a job in Orlando, Florida. And I was a dream for me because it was top 20 market in big city. And I just so happened to be around the corner from this, Cute guy, so yeah, that's I ended up in
1: Orlando. Okay, so he had moved to Orlando, and we're going to get more in depth into yes. this love story. So yes. he had moved to Orlando ahead of you. It wasn't like yes. you guys went there together. He was no. already in Orlando.
0: I was heading that direction. And so I was like, very like, well, I'm not chasing a boy, you know, like, that's not (laughs) happening. And I'm not moving in with you. But then I got this job. it just so happened to be in the same city. And it was a really great career opportunity for me that it was like the stars were just kind of aligned. And I was able to move down there. And it was great because he was there starting a business and things just kind of took off from there. And I will tell you that. So,
1: uh, um, so Amanda was on at that time, I think it, it was, I don't know if it was still Spectrum or what, but yeah, it was channel, the, Thirteen. Yep. The, the weird part is I was on channel 13. You were on channel yep. 13 in Orlando, but every time, and we do, we're in Orlando a lot. Um, we always, the first thing we did, we turned on the TV and we we're like, Oh, is Amanda working today? Cause we felt oh like, Oh, gosh, we're, yes. we're, we're, we're back home. And I think Jim mm-hmm. would sometimes text you and say, Hey, we're, we're watching mm-hmm. you. Um, and so. Um, you had a very um, successful career in Orlando and then the love story starts heating up a little bit. And um, so then take us to the next step.
0: Yeah. So we it was like there we were in Orlando, kind of these young. Gosh, we were so young. You know, like you were 25, 26. And um, we just kind of we fell for each other really hard and we got engaged and um we started planning our wedding there in orlando which was so fun because it was like a destination wedding for everybody but us we lived there so all of our family was coming in and um it really was it was it was a beautiful time we had a lot of life and love and then like loss and fear that it just kind of like all came at us very quickly because joe was actually diagnosed with colon cancer two months before our wedding and so it was like we were 28 years old and I think, I mean, it was two days before he turned 28 and two months before our wedding, we had the dress, we had the venue and it was like, everything switched from honeymoon mode to we're going to chemotherapy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And what, what a, and then I can't remember, did you, were you, able, did you move your wedding up or were, were you still on track with, we with were on thing? track
0: um but he started chemo and he had a round of chemo before our wedding I mean he lost I remember taking him to get his suit altered because it was like he was losing weight he had the surgery to remove the tumor and parts of his his colon and we were just we were boogieing and we did we did have to cancel our honeymoon and we canceled our honeymoon and um went to chemotherapy instead which it just it was the weirdest like I mean, you'll understand this like as a storyteller, as a journalist, there was like this part of it that I kept going like, "Well, this is a really amazing story. Like if it wasn't mine, like, it was like,, well, this is wow, I can't believe this is happening. This is I mean, I remember walking away from my car and my wedding dress was hanging in my car as we were walking into the hospital to go to chemotherapy and just having this surreal moment, like, what is yeah, this sorry. what is happening? What is this life? Um, so yeah, so it just it was a very surreal time, that's for sure.
1: And then in the beginning, were they giving you a good prognosis or
0: not? I mean, uh, did you, you know? know? I don't know. I think, I think we were really young and naive, and I think God does that to you for a reason. I think that we were like, you know, we were really charging forward with a lot of hope and a lot of we can do this. And he was young, so he a strong body, right. um, and so he was able to handle a lot of the chemo, you know, better than some would. And it, it was just, a, it was a very interesting time. But when you when you talk about cocktails and chemo and, and and you kind of introduce, okay, what is this? It's like, that's how it all came about because it was like, we in like the matter of weeks went from dirty martini cocktail dates to chemotherapy dates, And that name cocktails and chemo, it just, it came very organically for us. And um, we started doing what the only thing we knew how to do which was tell our story. <laughs> and we started writing and the blog cocktails and chemo was born and it was kind of born in those early months of just feeling very lost and wanting to wanting to own our story a little bit
1: and you know it was really before blogs became pop i it will was. say you know before they became popular and i think you know people followed your love story and i think that that was so important because Um, you're the caregiver giving your perspective. Joe, while he was still in those early stages, you know, was giving his perspective as the patient. And for all us back in Indiana, and I know this blog took off over the country. And, you know, I think people just... Your story was just so, um, it just touched so many hearts and just the way, and like you said, you're, you're a storyteller, but you go beyond that because you shared so much, you poured so much of your life out and you know, that's, that's what touches people. And so out of that, your blog was called Cocktails Mm -hmm. and Kinos, which I always thought was just, you know, great, 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 great title. And so, so from there um, you start and then there's. A little something that comes along um, yeah. during that. So I'm going to ask you and you can be honest with yeah. me. So were you planning to have Mira um, oh, yeah. or, or, okay. So it was planned, even though you knew, I mean, how, how does we that did. work?
0: You know, it's so funny you're talking about this. I was just talking about this with somebody the other day um, because when Joe was first diagnosed our one of our very first concerns was, was like, are we going to be able to have kids? because it was just, it was so much part of our dream is we wanted to have four children. We wanted to take them to Disney World and we wanted even an even number of kids because we wanted everyone to have someone to ride with when we went on a ride. You know, we had this really, you know, mature thinking that we were <laughs> we were part of. But um, he got about a year of like, you know, I hate the word remission, but so we kind of would always say good scans. Um, and during that time, we like, we kind of just moved up our whole timeline. I don't know if we would have tried to have a baby as quickly as we did. I think we probably would have, enjoyed married life a little bit and been young and you know saved money and done all the things but we felt this very like urgency when something like a cancer diagnosis comes at you you do feel like you know this sense of like life is coming at you fast and you need to live it you know you're gonna you're gonna you know what's the tim McGraw song you know where live like I you're like dying, you're I mean, dying. live like you're dying i mean it's, and that's what we felt so we we're like okay let's see let's, let's let's try to have a baby now and um we were so lucky because we were able to get pregnant and it was like the, the greatest joy of our life. We just were just so happy. We were, um, yeah, we were 29, 30, 30, 30, right in there. And um, But it was that same intersection of like love, loss, fear, all the things coming at you at the exact same time because we find out we're pregnant. And then a week later, Joe has a bad test result yeah. and they want him to come in. Because his blood numbers don't look good, and it was this like, no, 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 this no, isn't no. supposed to happen this actually, way. this isn't happening right now. We just got through all the chemo; we're fine, and now we're pregnant. So we're we're actually moving forward. So you guys can guess, like, you know, keep your bad test results to yourself. But. Um, it was, it was so, I look back and I don't know how we survived some of that. I know because, you know,
1: he's in the hospital at one point, Mm -hmm. you're, um, in your Mm -hmm. pregnancy, Mm -hmm. um, trying to balance that. And then, um, I can't recall. So when Mira, when she was born, was he in the hospital then when you were,
0: we were so lucky. I mean, you know, lucky it's all like, it was a constant fight to stay in the. Find the joys and and positivity in like a really pretty nasty time, and so yeah. we've f- always felt so lucky. Our goal was to get him there to Mira's birth, and he we traveled back and forth between Orlando and Texas for a lot of um, for a big surgery. He was actually in the hospital for forty six days, and that was so hard. Um, and I'm giant pregnant. I mean, I it was am. just. But we made it back. We made it to Orlando. We we came back Thanksgiving weekend. And we had her on December 19th and he was able to be there and hold her and, and her name, Mira, we, we came up with that name because we just, it was short for Miracle. So her name is Mira Joey and Joey's her middle name after her dad. And then Mira was short because she, she truly was a miracle. I mean, if we would have even, you know, one week later, we wouldn't have, they would have told us we couldn't keep trying to get pregnant because Joe was on such strong chemotherapies. It's not safe to do that. And so, I mean, it was just, we were just, we felt so she truly was our miracle. And and he was able to be there for the birth. And he was sick. I mean, I look back and I think that's what I put him through, you know, because that's the thing about being married and like being a caregiver. It's like, they're still your husband. They're still the same pain in the tush that they were before. <laughs> and so they're like, you're going to figure this out and be there. And I'm sorry that you're on chemotherapy. You're going to figure this out. I mean, so I look back and I can't believe the way he was able to kind of charge through some of that. But um, yeah, we, we made it to that day. And then you know, the, the next year was, was really challenging because he just, the cancer just kept, uh, every time we'd think we'd make one turn, it, it just, it was back. And um, so he, he actually lived until Mira was um, 11 months old. And so he died in, in November, but um, so it, it was- you-
1: they yeah. Um, so so, were you able to kind of, I mean, know that he was getting sicker and sicker, but were you able to, to discuss like your plans for Mira or, you know, oh, yeah. what life would be like without him? I mean, were you able yes. to really, although, you know, you're never, you were never prepared. I mean, you yeah. never knew
0: what it was going to be like, obviously. Yeah, but I think, you know, I think there is like, if you're going to look at the like blessings and things like I never doubted that I was doing everything exactly like how Joe wanted me to do that. Like, um, we ended up, I I moved up her birthday party and we threw her a first birthday in October because I, I just knew the doctors were saying he wasn't going to make it. And I'm so thankful I did that because she loves those pictures of him with her as a baby. And like, those are the memories she has. And, um, you know, he was very adamant about, you know, I need, he was like, I want you to hurry up, meet somebody, have another baby, move on. Like, I mean, I think about him having those conversations and then I'd be like, okay, crazy person. He's like, you know, and he'd have like a list of celebrities that he thought would be appropriate husbands for me oh. someday. Like, like Michael, <laughs> I think Michael Jordan was on the list. I'm like, oh, that's oh, interesting. I don't think, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, he, he he did and he wanted he wanted us to live this life and um, he worked really hard to do some things for her like uh, that I think like, gosh, to have that kind of strength and that awareness... At that age, and as you're facing death, I mean, he was spending his final weeks. He was on the phone with a jeweler to buy her this beautiful ring that he wants me to give her when she's 13. And so, like, I have that up up in a safe. And you know, it was like he bought her all these birthday cards. And then it was like I went to get him, and he was never able to fill them out. But he, I thank God how hard that had to been. Like, I mean, for him to sit down and do that. But he wanted he wanted us to live this life, and he was always very proud of our story and the way that we had been so authentic and truthful in writing in cocktails and chemo and sharing our blogs and we did not hold anything back and we didn't want to we wanted to tell our truth we wanted people to know what life is about cuz we were in this place where you felt like you were almost being given the secret to life and you're you feel like you're rushing to tell everyone like no 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 you need to know this is what it's about this is what it th- this is what this whole life is about and uh, he felt really passionate about that and i'm i'm so thankful that he took the time to write and share his stories through cocktails and chemo and that he encouraged me to because when he died i have never doubted even when i've made missteps with without him that he believed in me and that of he had my he back and and I, I i'm so thankful he gave me that
1: so when so when it came to mira, mira getting older mm-hmm. how 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 do you incorporate him into her life now and and how how is that i know it's hard you know what's,
0: but- you know what's interesting about little kids and i think i'm thankful that it's it's funny because when joe was dying and he was sick he was like i do not want i don't want to die when she's four he's like i'd rather go now when she's a baby because i don't want to this little four-year-old girl to like know her daddy's missing. And like she was a baby. So she, she knew, but she didn't know. And right. so now she's seven, you know, she's seven years old and um, she has kind of what they call delayed grief because her little brain is just now even processing what she's lost. Mm-hmm. She kind of knew she had a daddy and she knew her daddy's, you know, we waved to the sky and, you know, we draw pictures of the sky and she kind of knows that. But she's going to school and she's on the soccer field and she's starting to see her friends that have daddies it's like well wait a minute why what happened why why don't i have a daddy and and so that's hard but i'm thankful that where i am on my grief journey that i'm in a stronger place to help walk her through when she needs me um so like i it's a it's an interesting thing but we talk about him all the time and it's amazing. I mean, she looks just like him, which is freaky. Yes. I mean, she has such i I'm taste. looking at a picture of her right now behind oh, you in, in the yeah. podcast
1: where you're the room. You have her and just that, oh my gosh, that smile, yeah. those
0: eyes, you know. So she looks yeah. just like him. And she's like, it's so amazing that nature versus nurture thing too, because it's like she's an incredible artist. She can see anything and draw it. And that's exactly like he could. Um, she's very athletic, which I am not. And so like, I'm always like amazed when like somebody throws a ball at her and she's like, Whoop, catches it. I'm like, okay, that was not from me. Um, <laughs> and she's just, she's, she's empathetic. She's compassionate. She's very funny, very quick wit. And so there are all these things that I, I love. And I, and whenever I see a trait in her from her dad, I'm very quick to tell her, you know, that was just like your dad because she loves that. And she's longing yeah. for that connection, just like we all do long for a connection, you know, with our our family and the you know our parents, and so it's a tricky thing like raising a daughter without a dad. Um, but I I do think that we do everything we can to kind of honor him. And um, I just man, he'd be so proud of her. He would just be goo gaga over her because yeah. she just she just is a cool kid. I mean, I know I'm biased, but she really is. She's a that's cool, okay. Cool kid. I, yeah. I follow
1: I follow along the Facebook, right? and and she's just adorable. She's she is. she's so so adorable. So let's let's turn our attention to you. And uh, life now, you're you're a beautiful young woman. Um, you. you know you have just so oh my, your compassion for people. But yet, you know you're so vibrant. You're so out there. You're so so. The dating scene for you is it? I mean that just how? Ha- I mean how how do I? Mean, I know he wanted you to go. Oh yeah, he did. And he he did. did. But it's hard, isn't it? It I mean, has how, been how?
0: so. I think throughout all this, and I think it's why I feel so passionate about helping caregivers and caregivers, the term in general, because I think that we become very accustomed to putting ourselves kind of on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I was very focused on getting things handled with Joe and then I was very worried about his mom. And then I was very worried about Mira and where, what life looks like for her. And just, I mean, when Joe died, I found myself, I had left my career in TV, because I had to, I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it anymore and care for him. And that had defined me for so long. I mean, there is just something It was like, "I'm, I'm Amanda, I'm a news reporter. Oh, gosh, tell me about it. I mean, it just, it was who I was. And then I was Joe's wife. And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm unemployed. I'm a widow. I'm a single mom. I fit in nowhere. I mean, it was like, I would go to be with friends. And suddenly, I'm like, I don't. I felt like a stranger, like I was invisible, you know, in this, in this world, I just felt invisible. And I truly have had to rebuild every aspect of my life from the bottom up. And I'm so, so thankful that I have my parents, because they have stepped in in so many ways from just even like helping me with you know, the daily tasks of caring for a child, but they also let me be a real jerk. And I think that they are the few people that <laughs> see me like that, because I do try so hard to be my shirt says forever optimist. I mean, I just I do try to be that and and, and feel that but they see me really not be <laughs> really yeah. be nasty, and really fall apart. And they know, you know, what that looks like. So I'm so thankful for them. But um, no, dating has been not easy. And I think that I've really realized in the last couple of years that I have more work to do with myself and just like unpacking some of the grief and, um, unpacking so that I can like open my heart again. Cause I want to, you know, yeah, I do. And, and you should, and, and Joe wanted you, I
1: mean, he clearly, oh, yeah, he did. you know, he, he clearly wanted you to, but I'm, I'm, I am i i can not even imagine, you know, what, what that is like. Um, and through, through your cocktails and chemo, I want to get back to that because, You set up this foundation and this Mm -hmm. is so weird because yesterday I was on Facebook and a gal that I'd known from high school, she had been caring uh, for her dad and she posted this yesterday. It says caregivers go through more than we will ever tell you. They give up a lot, rarely have a social life. They can get sick, emotionally worn out. It's a lot for one person. You will never know until you have walked the road of a caregiver. And I saw that yesterday and I knew I was going to be talking to you. And that's, that's your, I mean, that's your focus um, now in turning this around because you were there as a caregiver and you're thinking these people, they, people don't even know, you know, so that's what I want you to tell us about the foundation and your program to pay attention to the
0: caregivers. Oh Yeah. uh, Yeah. So I think, so like when Cocktails and Chemo, like literally the week Joe was dying, you know, we were sharing our story so much. And then like, we started kind of building this following and it was very strange because you're like, oh my gosh, now we have all these followers. And I told him the week he was dying, I'm like, Joe, like we have 10,000 followers on our Facebook page. And he was like, no way. And he was like, you know, I just feel like this is gonna change the world. He did, he just felt so passionate about it. And so when he died, all of a sudden it's like, I have this platform. And I'm like, well, what the heck do I do with this now? Like, I've got, we've been sharing our story. Now Joe's gone. Like, what do I do? And I just like went on the internet and I'm like, how to start a nonprofit? (laughs) I just (laughs) faked it. And I was like, what is my mission going to be? And I knew I didn't want to do research. I didn't want to do, you know, I didn't want to be all about the cancer and all about that thing. And I was like, no, I want to support caregivers. I want to support the people that were like me, the... The wife, husband, mother, son, you know, sitting next to the person that feels so alone and feels so invisible. And so our mission just organically grew from that need that I felt because I was able to connect with people through our blog and I made friendships that were so priceless and life saving to me because they were other caregivers that could say, I see you, I know how you feel. I'm with you. The way you feel is normal. Like you can hate your person, you know, even if they're sick, That it's okay to say, holy cow, this is hard. I don't feel good. I'm stressed out. Like, And so I wanted to build a community that was based on that feeling of giving a voice to the invisible caregiver. And so everything we do is centered around that. We, we send care packages to caregivers every month. We give grants to families that are very focused on having them hire someone in to help with the kids or send their kids to daycare and allow that caregiver to take a little bit off their plate. Our grants are very, very focused on that. Um, and then we have online support groups where caregivers can meet other caregivers and say, this sucks, anybody know how to help me? And it's a huge part of, of what we do. And, and I'm just so passionate about it because it's like, it is exactly like that. It's just no one can really know until you've done it. And I think in some ways mothers know a little bit because mothers know what, when they're, the way they care for their child and the way they worry. And um, I think that they're the most empathetic and connected when we are par- doing this organization, our volunteers are, but um, it is, it's just a group of people that they, they need each other. They need to be seen. And so I feel very passionate about it. And I love what we do at Cocktails and Chemo, just because I think it is, it's a need that's not being met. Yeah. And Jim and I were part, you had your blue tie gala Yeah,
1: um, and we were part of that. And folks, the amount of people, I mean, this girl put on uh, the biggest fundraiser gala. And I actually was able to meet uh, some of the caregivers that you had sent um, packages to that, you Mm -hmm. know, through the foundation. And, and I remember one lady in particular, and I think she may have been from Chicago or Minnesota. Oh, have, maybe, yeah, okay. we got them everywhere.
0: I, We've got them all across the country. I so. remember
1: her telling me a story that it just, I mean, how this, I mean, just helped her so much get through those those final days because she wasn't yeah. forgotten, you know, Mm-mm. and all that she had gone through. So, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much I admire you, Um, just Thank your you. strength. And I, I know there are bad, there have to be really, you know, bad days, but I just see so much hope and you're so positive through all of this, but like you said, you have, you have to think, gosh, what if these people don't have the strong family and you have an amazing, I mean, especially with their parents, you have a, you have an amazing, um, support group. So I know that that helps a lot too.
0: So much. And it's like, I think that, um, you know, grief is unlike anything I have ever faced in my whole life. I mean, it is, it is like, it's like, these weights around your shoulder and when I lost Joe it was like I lost me I mean I lost and I lost who I was I lost that person that that unconditional love and that person I knew was always rooting for me and it's very hard to re to redevelop and redetermine like okay well who am I now and where do I go from here and I think I'm still figuring that out all the time uh-huh. you know and but I do feel so proud of us. Um, I, I do, from the organization to just learning to do stuff on my own. You know, it's like I have had to kind of figure it out. And we went Joe so first died. I, I couldn't even I, I couldn't did. even get on Netflix without him. You know, and I was like, oh, Yeah, God, do this. Figure, I figured this out. Wow. Yeah, and so I'm proud of us about all that. And I think that anybody who's listening that is feeling kind of lost or stuck in grief or there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think the, the biggest piece of advice that I would ever give is just to find someone with a story that's similar to yours, find someone that has suffered heartache, and then sit together in misery and drink some coffee and have a cocktail and, oh. and not feel so alone, because it's so important and so, so powerful in your journey to heal for sure. And so if someone's out there right now,
1: maybe going through that, that same journey, how can they reach out to you? Where, where can they go for more information yeah. or just to, to get a hold of you and
0: totally. And, and I'd love that. Yeah. We have a website cocktailsandchemo.org, um, where we have kind of, um, you know, kind of the links there to get us on everything. And then our Facebook page is a, is a great place. And then we have a goal that every single person that is nominated on our website Receive something from us. And we have been able to keep up with that goal for the last two years. So every single person that they go on to our cocktailsandchemo.org website, they click nominate, they fill out the story about their caregiver, whether it's your sister, your friend, we have patients that nominate their, their caregiver to say, this person needs to be recognized we get a handwritten card in the mail, we get a gift in the, in the mail, and then we follow up with a phone call to say, is there anything else you need? Can we connect you to the right online support group? So it's kind of all part of our process is just, and I hope that as we continue to grow, we continue to get more volunteers and the team members to help us keep up with this. But it's so important to me, cause I just, I know that that person that's taking the time to fill that out, that they've hit a desperation in that moment, like someone please help this person. And so we hope that when you don't know what to do, the cocktails and chemo does. And so many of those people are
1: so blessed that you are out there, um, to help them and to guide them. And I am so proud to call you a friend. Thank you. um, I wish you only the best. And thanks for joining me today. I we had we had some fun together. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank
0: you. I feel honored to be on the show. To be honest, I can't wait to
1: tell everybody. I'm I'm glad to see you today. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you.